Children's Health Defense is proud to be a sponsor of the Right on Point podcast, a weekly discussion of legal issues and initiatives to protect our most cherished resource, our children, hosted by Wayne Rohde. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening today. This is the Right on Point podcast, and I'm your host, Wayne Rohde. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get you find your favorite podcast, whether it's Spotify. Yes, Joe Rogan is still out there. Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and every place else. This is our 58th episode of the Right on Point podcast, season two, and it's going to be fantastic. My guest today is Dr. Peter Bregan. I want to give you a little bit of backstory on how I got to be aware of him. This is that back in January of this year, many of you know that we had Dr. Peter McCullough up here in Minnesota to uh, make a presentation to a, a sold out crowd of 750 people. And while he was in Minnesota, Dr. McCullough handed me a book that I was not really aware of. I knew that book was out there. I've seen that book cover but I have not had a chance to read it. It was called COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey. And it's by, written by Dr. Peter Bregan and his lovely wife, Ginger Rossbrig. McCullough told me, you need to get this gentleman on your show ASAP, because this is a big book, a lot of information, and we need to learn about what's ha actually happening in this world. So I reached out. Dr. Bregan graciously accepted my invitation. So I'm going to welcome to the program, Dr. Peter Bregan. How are you doing today, sir? Great. It's a pleasure to be on your show and to have Peter McCullough in common with you is already a bond of friendship. You're a medical doctor, author of many, many books, including bestseller, Talking Back to Prozac. And then another one that caught my attention is Talking Back to Ritalin a trained psychiatrist, if I'm correct, and you've written so much about the dangers in, of the overuse or abuse of psychiatric drugs, especially on our children. I've touched on that on previous shows regarding the, dec the decline of the brain trust of our children. Question is, why did you write this book about COVID-19 and the global predators? Well, I have a, a background for about 20 years before Ginger and about 40 years since Ginger, <laughs> I'm 85, delving into a kind of variation on COVID-19. As Ginger points out, psychiatry is in many ways one of the lead-ups, one of the big streams leading up to COVID-19. Because if you look at the history of my profession, it begins with involuntary treatment, and that's what's being imposed on us now. Mm -hmm. It begins with the use of civil force, civil commitment rather than criminal, so you don't have criminal protections. Begins in France and other European countries when the cities were flooded with disenfranchised folks that had, you know, had their farms taken away from them. Farmlands were being, you know, mm -hmm. turned into manors and people into serfs more and more. And as things fell apart in terms of feudalism and the Industrial Revolution began, the result was of poor houses and hospitals for the insane. And the poor houses eventually were found to be, uh, you know, illegal. The state mental hospitals became like poor houses where people who couldn't take care of themselves or have been so oppressed or beaten down that they 
lost their ability to be in charge of their lives, or in many cases, the elderly. Interestingly enough, with all the emphasis on racism, being Black was not one of the major criteria that got you put into these hospitals. It was poverty. And to the extent that Blacks were poorer, older women were poorer, brain-damaged people were poorer, very disturbed people were often poorer. So in that sense, it just became a lockup mostly for poor people. And quite often specifically, of course, for women whose husbands could just ask the doctor to commit their their wives at some point if they wanted to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. This kind of abuse I had early on discovered led to help help implement the Holocaust. Now, I haven't talked much on the air about this, but because we might have some extra time, I can I can tell your audience stuff they've never heard before. I was doing a radio show about psychiatry um, in New York City, and we got a caller, and his name was Robert Abrams. And he said, Doc, you know, people want to say that you exaggerate things, but you really don't. You talked about just now on the show how 20,000 people were killed before the Holocaust in mass euthanasia programs by psychiatry. He said, actually, Doc, there's well over 100,000. And he said, I was a, I think, 19-year-old kid in Bavaria. We had just liberated that section of Europe. Me and another young fellow were were the uh, liaison people for the uh, community, the German community. Mm-hmm. And a German doctor just been, uh, you know, relieved of his war role because we had uh, captured him, came to see us and said, uh, you got to help here. They're killing people in our local state mental hospital still after the war. And so Abrams and a friend of his who carried a Tommy gun went to the hospital, the two of them, like so many of these places in America, up on a high hill big, uh, you know, out of sight and what used to be cheap land and is now, you know, the valuable land looking over cities and suburbs. They go in there and they find that the medical doc has just hung himself. They find that there's a crematorium where they've been stuffing patients in for cremation. And they've been systematically killing their patients by poisoning and starving them. And he said, this, this program, he said, was, was going on around all of Europe, led by the Nazis. So and not even Nazis. These were ordinary doctors and nurses. I think that this was a religious order, in fact, who were the Christian order, who were the, the people there. And I'm not down on Christianity uh, at all. It's just a fact of life there. So I started researching it. And I wrote the first real detailed paper in English, working with a friend of mine who gave me a lot of help, um, who uh, Jeffrey Mason, who had learned learned German precisely to to uh, study the Holocaust better and German psychiatry better. And what we found was that psychiatry, starting as early as 1920, before Hitler mm-hmm. uh, is chancellor, they had been discussing murdering all their patients for euthanasia to get rid of these bad genetic lines, and they wanted to murder the children, crippled children. They wanted to murder anybody who was, quote, a useless eater or had life devoid of value. Life is not worth living. And of course, they were defining this. And when Hitler came to power, they very quickly began to organize. And even before the Holocaust in 1938, before that was roaring, they had organized six or seven extermination centers in Germany. Now, this is psychiatry, organized psychiatry, not Nazis, 
though many of them chose to be Nazis, they, um, they would send in euthanasia forms to a central office in Berlin where professors would decide who was uh, a mercy killing, a euthanasia killing. This is really murder. And of course, there's no participation on the part of the patient in this, the inmate. Almost everybody was, was okayed, you know, to go to, this, uh, to the death camps. One of them was named Hanenstein, another one was Harth. Hartstein and Sonnenstein, and they, um, they had crematoriums. They used the exhaust from trucks to uh, gas the people in gas chambers. They had fake soap. They even had little signs like the, cream, like the German extermination camps about you're going to liberty or freedom or whatever when they ushered the people into them. They did not keep hundreds of thousands of people uh, locked up in these places. They just churned them right through and killed them, unlike because they didn't have the sheer numbers that uh, would later develop. And then um, there was we found no no official approval from Hitler until the program was well on. And then he wrote a letter to somebody saying that you know that this was a good okay thing. And then Hitler started getting booed when he would do some of his truck stops. Uh, by people in the communities where their families were being killed in the state hospitals. He canceled the program. He then, it's the first, the only known uprising of any minor kind against Hitler within the Third Reich. And then what he did was he dismantled these facilities and shipped the equipment to the developing uh, extermination camps, mostly in Poland, mm -hmm. in Western Europe. The first commandant of, a, of a, an extermination camp was the uh, former head of a so-called so euthanasia center, a murder center from the psychiatrist. They even in the beginning used physicians a lot to say who was healthy and who should die. Uh, after a while, I think anybody could do that. So they didn't need the medical cover. Once they got away with it, they dropped the medical cover. But in the beginning, they even used euthanasia forms for some of the communists and the Jews they were killing. Um, I'm Jewish, by the way. During the war crimes trials, they had a doctor's trials. And in the doctor's trials, at least three leading, maybe four leading physicians from around the world the American medical representative, mm -hmm. two German re representatives, um, and the, another fellow who was also an American, they all said that, that the, the Holocaust was the entering wedge to show that you could get away with bureaucratic organized murder. So it wasn't invented by Hitler. Didn't we have back in the United States, didn't we have this like, what is it Cold Spring or Cold Harbor, New York, where uh, eugenics kind of was talked about with the Rockefeller family back in the teens and twenties. Yeah, was that was that part yeah. of all that? Yeah, Josh. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, this is really good that you have this knowledge. There were two, two or three uh, things that were going on that was supporting the Nazis from America. It's very important to understand this, folks. What's happening right now is just what happens when the eugenicists and the culling population people and all those mm -hmm. folks get in charge of things. And uh, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, Cold Spring Harbor, um, were all praising Hitler. There were 
there, there is a, a genetics journal. And this all, all, you can find all this, by the way, if you go to the Psychiatric Holocaust on Bregan.com. If you enter in psychiatric holocaust or toy around with that, you should get to my article about the psychiatric holocaust. And um, all this is, got, you know, all of my work, as you probably know, is so uh, footnoted, so documented. Right. And one, one of the big journals actually said that Hitler was the first mental hygiene leader of a nation. Mm. Isn't that something? So Jesus. the psychiatry fit perfectly well into the Holocaust. But something else that was going on that you probably know something about was we were sterilizing people all over the United States who were right. deemed to be mentally retarded. One of the great liberal judges in the Supreme Court had written a brief in support of it. And that was completely unfounded. I had a fake story that he'd been given about generations of of retarded people. And uh, I don't know what he said, three or four generations was enough or something. And just not true. Vast majority of people with these issues of psychosocial and physical injuries uh, that are not genetic. I think that Supreme Court ruling uh, was Buck v. Bell. That's right. That had the sterilization. So, okay. But one one other word, and then I will finish on this, which you probably haven't heard about because hardly anybody has. The family planning, quote, people from California who were involved with sterilizing for a time, at least all mental patients in California, or they couldn't be released, right. went to Germany and reassured the Fuhrer that he could pass legislation for the sterilization of schizophrenics and so-called, you know, medically ill people. There's no medical basis for psychiatrists. None of this stuff has a medical basis. But people who were just wounded and injured and unable to cope, that they could be killed, not killed, sterilized, and that the U.S. would no way object, object. So we played a role directly from our people who were doing sterilizations here to reassuring the Fuhrer that he could have his chief psychiatrist, Ernst Rudin, write the sterilization legislation, which was a very important forerunner to killing people. These things are all a part of the same thing. And it helps people understand. And by the way, this is the first show I've talked about this on. With all the, I don't know how many I've done now. Because you told me I could even have more than one part. It's so important for COVID-19 to understand that within medicine and anthropology and psychology, there's always lurked these hateful, inhumane approaches. And we've had so many. We had the, you know, we, we had down in, uh, in the South, where in our own uh, place, I haven't talked about this stuff in so long, Tuskegee, where we had penicillin to treat syphilis with, and we weren't giving it to African-Americans in the clinics in Tuskegee. That's a yep. Black-run place. They weren't giving it to, um, to, these, uh, to the young Black men so that they could study syphilis's natural evolution. So folks, what they're doing to us now is not so unusual it's just that now it's really taking over the entire governments of Western nations. The seats of liberty are being destroyed by the unleashing of something that is always lurking there. And 
I want to just thank you for giving me the opportunity, enough time to unravel some of this. We also write about this in a book, but I'm afraid the bad guys have bought it up. So it costs a lot of money and we haven't uh, gotten it into print yet, but we will get into reprint from, we bought it from the, got it given to us by the publisher. It's called War Against Children of Color, War Against Children of Color by Peter Bragan and Ginger Bragan. And um, in, back in 1994, I mean, I think it was, right? You yes, published yeah. it back in 94? Yep, exactly. And it is about, and this could finish this subject for now, if you like, it's about a federal program that Ginger discovered to go into the inner cities of America and to study inner city, that means black, not even, they weren't even so interested in Hispanics, mm -hmm. black children from pregnancy on to see what makes them so violent. And it was gonna be entirely genetic and biologic, eugenics. It was gonna be the unleashing of massive drugs. We got um, from our Freedom of Information, somebody sent us a, a little note by the guy who was heading this program, probably not sure it was him, Frederick Goodwin, but part of the program saying, and one of the solutions will be Prozac. You see the infiltration of the drug company influence, a drug that makes people violent, we will give to so-called potentially violent children. And we stopped that entire program, it took four years out of our lives, totally, of course, voluntary. It's worse than voluntary, we're being oppressed while we do it. And we stopped the program and it was gonna involve every major federal agency from NIMH and NIH and the Department of Education because it's children, to the Department of Justice and the FBI, everybody was going to be involved. It was going to be a gigantic eugenics program in America. So it just tells you a lot about, and I've not done this before, except on your show, it tells you a lot about the, the lurking violence and hatred of human beings that there is in people who get power in bureaucracies and the medical profession and not even so much the military, but the FBI and the CIA. Our military, until recently, was a bastion of people who loved individuality and liberty, even though they were in the armed services. They right. believed in the Constitution. They're, they're taking that away from us, too. We're taking the military away. Back in the book, you talk about COVID-19 and the global predators with the subtitle, We Are the Prey. I, I truly believe that. Who are the global predators? I read several of the chapters. I know that a lot of people are going to say Anthony Fauci and a lot of people are going to say Bill Gates, but there's a lot of other players here involved. So yes, who are for the audience who hasn't had a chance to read the book? Tell us who are the global predators? We began to see the global predators, though we hadn't named them as such. We had no idea no one else had done this dive before. When we read that first article back in 2015, linking NIH and NIAD, the two big, you know, the right. big national health organizations, Fauci, the head of NIAD, and we discovered that uh, the FDA even had a person involved in this research name on the paper, and that somebody from Harvard was also involved, all people who would become part of the global pattern as we started to, to look at who was involved. Later, I would do research on um, the Harvard uh, Public Health, the Chang Public Health uh, Department at Harvard, the school, mm -hmm. School of Public Health. And I remember this particular moment because 
everything I was doing showed that every single predator had strong ties to China. Now, I didn't know. I went to Harvard College. I didn't know. I, I, had, I was a teaching fellow at Harvard Medical School during a year of residency at Harvard. I didn't know the links to China. So I went and fairly quickly, I just decided to read the About Us on the page for Harvard School of Public Health. And the first two sentences are about China. We were collaborated with China decades ago and they were so critical. We were helping them and their CDC or whatever and on and on and on. Our buddies in China, proud. You'd never know that every bit of what they were talking about was working for the Chinese Communist Party as a part of the Chinese Communist Party's uh, determination to suck the life out of the Western democracies and destroy them and gain as much technology to use against them or compete with them as they possibly could. Mm -hmm. So that in a nutshell tells you a huge amount, a huge amount of the kind of way that globalists are working. Uh, behind every globalist pretty near, as I could find, uh, there was the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. It's where they get their wealth and power from. They get huge encouragement from. So <clears throat> very early on, we were shocked by this. I mean, I actually went into doom and gloom feelings a couple of times. I began to realize why nobody else had done this. I mean, this is just horrible. What the hell am I looking at here? Eventually, we well, not eventually, we quickly found that Contrary to everything that was being said about Fauci as this independent guy and he wasn't working with Bill Gates, we thought Bill Gates was maybe a lot of nonsense. We had no idea what I was gonna find out. Um, in fact, there's a whole, there's a new book out by Schweizer um, called The Red, um, Red Handed. It's an interesting book because it ignores COVID-19. That's the only way you can get published and it just attacks the old school, Peter Schweizer. But he wrote a wonderful book, uh, earlier showing the criminality of the uh, Bush, not Bush, Bush too gets, Bush gets involved, both Bushes, but, but uh, particularly, you know, of our president, Joe Biden, and his really criminal right. conspiracies with his son, making folks tens of millions of dollars from Chinese communists. He documented that again, Peter Schweizer. But uh, in this book, he talks about stuff I didn't know, and uh, that Bill Gates uh, received a high, a highest award you can get from the Communist Party, also given to Stalin, to Mao, to people like that, and, and some big other Western names, but the only tech guy, only big tech guy, Bill Gates, got this award. And that Gates is close, close to Xi Jinping, the head of China. I didn't, I didn't know the closeness to uh, Schweizer, but, but then he doesn't link anything to COVID-19, that's forbidden. Literally forbidden. And I don't even think COVID-19 is in the index, but it is mentioned two or three places very briefly, usually as a distraction. So you've got Bill Gates very close to the Chinese communists. Then he has been working for a while with Klaus Schwab. Oh, yes. Klaus Schwab has been developing links over many, many years. He's an older man to all the world's GMOs, all the world's industries, all the world's leaders. He's got a training program that many world leaders have gone through, like the, the woman who heads Germany and his whispers that Gates went through. We haven't been able to prove that at all. But many of the world's leaders have been through a training program. He's got these uh, elaborate computer models on his website where you where the first layer has a hundred groups he's working with. And then each group 
There's a layer below it. It takes you off into the subheads there they're working with. So he brought to Gates connections to pretty much all the world's leaders. Mm-hmm. And Gates brought in connections to all the world's health leaders because he was buying them off with money to control world health. Right. Well, that was pretty stunning to begin to look at. We began, I don't know why nobody else, but, you know, maybe it was all the lawsuits where I was a medical expert against the drug companies. I, I did deep dives and proved in court over 100 times, Canada, U.S., state and federal, many of them involving, almost all of them involving psychiatry, not all, and many of them involving the drug companies and often the FDA because they're so linked and often NIH. NIH was a big group uh, earlier in the show I talked about that um, was supporting some of the worst stuff that goes on in the world and um, particularly uh, going into the inner cities to uh, show that black kids were genetically defective and that's why they were violent. And we quickly found that contrary to the idea that Fauci was like the leader of all this going on in the U.S., that he was... uh, independent scientists and all. He's just a lackey for Bill Gates and a lackey for the worst part of what every president he's worked for over 40 years has wanted to do. There's a wonderful book um, out by um, Bobby Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Ginger and I work with him in that Um, book. About Fauci, right. It's the real Anthony Fauci. Now, his book's very different from mine. And to show you what a generous man he is, right when he had his book coming out and our book had already come out a month or two ahead, real, so you might think competition, mm-hmm. he gave us a tremendous endorsement saying that if you wanted to learn about, quote, his words, the criminal conspiracy behind all this, Peter and Ginger's book is the source. But his book goes into an awful lot of the background of Fauci, which we don't go into. He did with HIV exactly what he's doing now. He even pushed for vaccines. He even interfered with treatment of HIV patients so they couldn't get older, safer treatments to treat the pneumonia that was killing the HIV patients, traditional treatments for viral and bacterial pneumonias. Unlike now, there was a mass march over NIH campus in Bethesda that finally landed at uh, Fauci's building, and he was inside looking out the windows at thousands of people chanting about him and calling him terrible names. They weren't exaggerated, but they were terrible names. And he's very informative, and he also uh, contributes to the indictment of Fauci that we have, probably as more central to our book, Fauci, and, and what his role was. Mm-hmm. And uh, for him to give us that endorsement was, uh, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, oh my God, we really have done something here. Um, so Fauci was with Gates at the beginning of the 10-year plan that landed us with COVID-19. And the date I use, though obviously you're always building up from different directions, the date I use is 2010 when Bill Gates announces with Klaus Schwab the decade of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Precisely 20 years later, we have COVID-19. Now, what I'm going to be telling folks now is going to be very, very hard to listen to because we have been purposely trained not to believe in, quote, conspiracy theories when, in fact, people with power conspire. Right. Actually, children conspire against their parents. 
Bad parents conspire against their children. Businessmen in one sector organize against businessmen in another sector and maybe even in their own sector. All of the great impositions on humanity from Caesar to Hitler to Mao and Stalin evolve out of conspiracies. You want to learn about conspiracies? You know, read Shakespeare and Julius Caesar. Human beings conspire, and if they have power, they really conspire and use it. And it was not even well hidden. They just knew nobody would care. We came up with documents that nobody had ever unearthed for the public before in this book. One of them has been taken down now, interestingly enough. I'll tell you a little about that. So we found out that Bill Gates in 2010 created a vaccine committee that was entirely globalist, about six people on it, two from the UN working very closely. That's part of his big cover story. That's 2010 and, um, and pointed Fauci to his vaccine committee. So here we have a public quote servant serving who himself, big farmer, wealth, power, Chinese communists, helping them build weapons. That's treason, literally helping the Chinese who are at war with us. Fauci had to know that. I mean, I can say somebody else might not know. I didn't know China was in a, in a subterranean war with us, but they always have been, of course, since Mao. And, you know, they defeated the uh, Chiang Kai-shek, whom we were supporting. They've been at war with us since their inception, the Chinese communists. I didn't think about all this before this. It's amazing the learning curve I've been on. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't think you can teach old dog new tricks, boy, have I learned a few new things. uh, Well, but but wasn't that global? That was the beginning of Gavi, right? When when, when No, Gavi is older. Gavi has been around for a while and folks know about Gavi. This is the beginning of what will become something no one's heard about much until I talked about it, though it's on the web, and it's called CEPI. CEPI is, I I often stumble over it, so I'll read it. It's the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Foundation. Now, guess who cooperated with the formation of this organization between 2015 and 16? Fauci, mm. Fauci's Nyad, because he's on the committee. And Gates, and then Klaus. Klaus, but now members of the FDA, CDC, all the main government agencies were involved in the formulation of the organization, a foundation set up by some of the worst people in the world to bloat their wealth to feed the hunger, never-ending hunger of the pharmaceutical empire and also the CCP. We even found connections between some of the drug companies and Chinese drug companies. And why not? Fauci loves, not, well, Fauci loves the Chinese. I was gonna say, but he does. And, but also Schwab and Bill Gates, Michael Bloomberg, many of our top billionaires are, passionately more approving of the Chinese. I remember Bill Gates giving a speech in which he said, the Chinese have completely wiped out COVID-19. This was sometime in 2020, lying through his teeth. And the, the very diffident interviewer said, you're sure it's wiped it out? And he said, yes. And then he goes through some mathematical babble, which I'm sure 
he made up and probably didn't make any sense and says, and then you get down to that and you see, and then you wipe it out and it's zero. So we have to do what they're doing with their lockdowns. He supported all of that. It's, it's in the book. It's really horrible. They do this in 2010. And then to my astonishment, because I'd never heard about it before, in 2012, he got the General Assembly of the United Nations to approve it, to approve of, and by Bill Gates is named, of their work. I don't know that Schwab is named. And then in 2019, getting closer, Schwab actually develops a legal agreement to get support for what he's doing from signed by the president of the UN. And in fact, it was attacked by some people on the left as an obvious fascism when they wanted communism. Mm -hmm. they, didn't want, they didn't want the billionaires involved in all this, the big companies working with the UN, some of them. The UN is really an arm of the Chinese communists. Tedros is a communist criminal character, the first director general of WHO, who does not have a medical degree, pushed in by the Chinese because he was an avowed communist. And he that's why he was there so carefully protecting the Chinese and saying, no, they didn't release this. This came out of nature. I've studied this carefully and I stated in the book and no one's contradicted me. There are no proven releases of SARS-CoV from nature. None. It was cooked up. It was cooked up. It was cooked up. And the labs, many labs around the world, thanks to Fauci, were making SARS-CoV-2 viruses. But so were the Chinese. The Chinese here, and this is common knowledge. I found it in English language, Chinese newspapers. I found it in the statements by people out of, the, out of governments around the world. It was common knowledge. And I got it from off the website of the World Health Organization. China had four leaks of SARS-CoV viruses in 2003 and 2004. Right. These bastards know about this. Lancet has to know it. Jam has to know it. And they're all saying it's a conspiracy theory to think the Chinese would even have this virus. Four leaks. And then another leak from Taiwan, another leak from Singapore. There, I counted seven known leaks of SARS-CoV and no known emergencies from nature. So the colossal lie that Gates and Fauci and uh, the communist Chinese and everybody has collaborated in worldwide that the real risk is an emergence from nature. And so we have to study them for vaccines is a complete turning of the truth on the on said the real danger was Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, the Chinese, and all these people making viruses that were going to leak. It's bizarre. And so Fauci at one point publishes in a scientific journal what is essentially a political paper. He's not a scientist. In which he says, uh, basically going along totally with the progressive movement, the extreme, saying that human beings are tampering too much in nature. We have to keep people out of nature. We have to make drastic means basically, you know, lock, lock them up in cities so that we can really control the hell out of them and have all this progressive support from people who are dying to be led by the government, deluded into being led by the government. I don't mean psychiatric deluded, but propaganda deluded. And he is fostering all this. It's in the book. And he has the goal to say human beings tampering in nature is the problem when it's Fauci tampering in nature alone. 
I don't mean Fauci alone, but that scientific tampering alone that has produced SARS-CoV-2. You think of a bigger, bigger, bigger lie than that. It's like Goebbels said, Nazi Germany, you know, the bigger the lie, the more you can get everybody to finally believe it. Mm-hmm. That's correct. So that, that's a kind of a, uh, a kind of a general outline of, of uh, some of the stuff we found. Now, one of the things that was particularly startling to me was uh, the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you something that should have been immediately known. Now, pe- there's two things people don't know about. One, they somewhat know about. And I, by the way, I'm, I'm very critical of Trump for his handling of all this stuff, except for uh, his, uh, after we informed him through his through family members that, that Fauci was funding the Chinese biological warfare and he canceled it. I mean, everything else, he just botched around the SARS-CoV stuff. And he's still supporting the vaccines. He's saying, I'm not in favor of doing, I think he said not doing kids, I'm not sure. He said, I'm not in favor of forcing people. But he, he built this whole thing thinking he built it. He thought he built this whole thing that was already put in motion, completely in motion by 2015, 16. In 2015 and 16, this is the big doc, biggest document we found. Mm-hmm. Bill Gates and his group, which is called CEPI, which is their big organization. Mm-hmm. They publish, after working on it for a year, with Fauci, with the head of BARDA, which I'll tell you a little bit more about, that's where I wanted to go, mm-hmm. and, and the UN and all his cronies, they release the CEPI preliminary business plan. Far as I know, naive eyes never seen it before I released it. It was intended with glossy, I don't know, 60 or 80 pages. We have put it up on the website. We quote it in the book. We put it up on bregan.com on the book resources. And in it, they, 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 they describe their relationships with the, with the CDC and with Fauci. Mm-hmm. And, and, with all, and with Pfizer and all the big drug companies and the World Health Organization is mentioned dozens of times throughout this uh, document. And it's the, it's the plan to take over the world. And essentially what they're doing um, is dividing the world up between the globalists who are going to work through CEPI, which is Bill Gates, the mm-hmm. big money people, and the globalists who are going to work through who? which is the Chinese communist European government that loves the World Health Organization. Public health officials around the world are working with both of them, both CEPI and with both. And that clarified this in a depth that no one had gathered before. And they still don't get it. Even if you listen to the conservative TV stations, they don't get this. They just don't want to face, I think, how corrupt international capitalism is. I just don't want to go there. I think that's the fail. I consider myself a, a conservative in my older years, as many people do. But, but I can't exaggerate the failure to face that capitalism works in, in the country stores, uh, but not in a lot of other places. Because as soon as you get large, you start running the government. And you're no longer doing capitalism, you're doing fascism. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going on worldwide with all these governments. And it's taken me a long time to just make that simple thing. But other people have made it before me. 
but not in regard to COVID. It's looking at and seeing the, the way it, it works with COVID. Now, here is something, a second thing we found that no one else had found. And this is the first document we found that let us know there was a master plan. And this was, this thing was written in 2017. It's a, about six months after the release in 2016 of the master plan. And this is a description of the master plan in PowerPoint from CEPI to the World Health Organization. Okay. And these, some of these PowerPoints are so unbelievable that we have actually put the photographs of them into the book. But they're all also outlined even in more depth in what we found next, which I just told you, which was the CEPI preliminary business plan. One of the most stunning things they, they have, and it's on a slide, and I think the slide is called No Lost. And the slide says, the pharmaceutical companies that prepare for the next pandemic, it's really like a coming pandemic. They, I think they knew they were either going to have an accidental release or China was going to release it. Who knows exactly what they were thinking, but it was something will have no costs. And they specify neither direct nor indirect costs. All will be paid for. Now, they don't tell you by whom, but partly it's going to be paid for by monies contributed to SEPI from foundations and, and the corporations that have deducted it already. Mm -hmm. Given, God knows the complexities, the layers and layers of the probably impossible to separate our complexities. Uh, so we have a what an ad, what an advertisement for the pharmaceutical industry to go full steam, especially if you know you've been selected as one of the six or so pharmaceutical companies and that you've been particularly selected to, uh, by Moderna and Pfizer to be the big US ones, that you have it all nailed down. And the other thing they said is that we have a memorandum of understanding between the World Health Organization and SEPI confirming all of this. Memorandum of Understanding in Legal Terms is just short of an absolutely binding contract. It's an agreement, but it's formal. So you better have good excuse or you're gonna break it. We've never found that Memorandum of Understanding. And who has made Memorandums of Understandings around COVID-19 with all many governments? We haven't found any of those. Interestingly enough, Pfizer, for example, has made agreements apparently with just about every government in the world about what the governments will uh, give them if they break their agreement. Like, I mean, there's some in South America where they say they're going to give them their military bases yeah. if, they, if they break it. We, we have not seen any of the memorandum of understanding. They've hidden those two. So more work out there, folks, for other people to do. And we're going to keep doing it, too. We have well some breaking news about stuff for you today. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about, because I'm seeing this note here that WHO's got some breaking news. So what 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 is it this about? I'm trying to understand it. Okay. The global predators were able to show was that they could completely get governments of the world to give up their health priorities in the pandemic to edicts from the World Health Organization, mm -hmm. which was so close to Fauci, for example, in the middle of Trump saying that the World Health, at one of his um, coronavirus committee meetings that he was holding with people, 
you notice we don't get those anymore. Mm -hmm. He was just constantly trying to keep us appraised of what was going on. He was proud of what he was doing. He didn't have any idea how evil Fauci was. And he's talking about how we've got to, we got to watch over and monitor who. Eventually he would withdraw from who and Bill Gates would step in and pay the American portion. So that tells you exactly how close Gates is to all these communists. And Fauci interrupts him and says, the head of who, Tedros is an old friend of mine and he's a good guy. I just got off the phone with him. He says in the press conference, I have the quote in the book and the link, what chutzpah, what evil, slimy, slobbery chutzpah to be able to interrupt the president of the United States like that. And Trump says something to the effect of, you really want to get into that? And then doesn't. So that's the depth of the, the evil ties. So they found now that who has got all this power through all these people who are in their own minds, commu not communists, but progressives, and who are being run by the Communist Party through WHO, and also through many other groups. And they were so successful with COVID-19. They crushed the democracies of the world. It is entirely possible that if the truckers don't win in Canada, and I think, I think millions of Americans should be just crossing the border, do it through the woods, climb fences, and going to Canada because civil disobedience, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, nonviolent civil disobedience freed India from the British and right. freed Black Americans and all Americans from the horrors of Jim Crow, legalized discrimination mm -hmm. that Martin Luther King accomplished. We need that. They didn't let themselves get turned off by calling them terrorists. Can you imagine if what King did, marching in the streets and blocking the streets and fight, not fighting, being beaten up by the sheriffs and everybody, Bull Connor, mm -hmm. how that would be treated by Joe Biden? They'd mm -hmm. be terrorists. The FDI put them on the terrorist list. Well, and they tried to do that. You know, Hoover tried to destroy Martin Luther King. Right. So it's not new again. This stuff goes on, folks. I've never made so many ties. Just goes like, poor you. I just, you told me I might have an hour or two to talk here. For you. <laughs> whatever, so, whatever we're going to go to. This is so fascinating. It's Yeah, uh, it's just, it's mind blowing. And I, it's, it comes off facile now because I've been talking about it for a lot. And every time I talk about it, I make new connections, especially with someone like you who brings in knowledge uh, to this. Um, but it is, it's, uh, it's fascinating, but it was so horrifying. I, I had to go to a new place of some kind to not be overwhelmed by it. Our families are counting on us to stand up to state governments, pharmaceutical companies, corporations, and captured regulatory agencies who are advancing practices and policies that harm our children's health. You're talking about these forces, you know, Bill Gates and WHO, they've destroyed democracies around the world. They've destroyed Australia and New Zealand. 
You can see that right there. And they, and they may crush Canada, the smithereens, if the Canadians don't keep fighting. But folks, right. they won't be able to resist it. If the more truckers, now truckers may be getting scared. If more come instead of fewer, and if American trucks get into Canada and cars and people and, and humans are blocking the streets more and more, they can't lock everybody up. But be nonviolent. So far, the truckers have been amazingly nonviolent. Everything where it talks about their violence is BS. Been, and even if there were some violence, I mean, you, you can't suppress huge numbers of people and have them behave so well. But Gandhi managed it and the truckers have so far managed it. And if there is some violence, believe me, it's going to be tiny compared to the enormous violence that's gone on against freedom-loving people throughout the world. Well, I think the, there's going to be violence, but it's not going to be from the truckers. It is. I think the Canadian government's going to actually start invoking um, and trying to disguise themselves and 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 oh yeah and do the violence. I and think so too. Being here in Minnesota and you're in in New York, we're very close to the Canadian border. It is unbelievable what's happening up there. But I've noticed in Canada that several of the provinces are pushing back, but they're more on the western side of of their nation. Yeah. But it is going to be quite interesting. Trudeau is corrupt up there as prime minister. You know, you got Canada, Australia, New Zealand, all three countries that we consider to be nations of freedom and liberty are no longer that way. They've crushed them. And it's really concerning about what's happening in the United States on that. But Well, here's the next step. So I'll be building up to what is the next step going to be? Okay. And as far as I know, I'm still, after about a week or two now, still the only person talking about this. No big TV, nobody. On January 24th of this year, which is not very long ago, it's now three weeks right. or something roughly like that, Tedros addressed, as the Director General of the World Health Organization, addressed his executive committee and by Zoom, many national leaders around the world involved, particularly those involved in health. And what he said basically is that in the past, we've been focused on so successfully, we've done such a good job trying to lead the world in emergency responses. But what we have found is that they don't have the superstructure to do it. They don't have the, the know-how, the, the lines, the money, the ability to do it. So it's a failure of healthcare in general. And the World Health Organization now must become the center of health care in the world. So here's a quote from his list of five priorities, and this is the fifth and the main one. The fifth priority is to urgently strengthen WHO mm -hmm. as the leading and directing authority on global health at the center of the global health architecture. Yeah. And then at the end, he makes his last, that, that, that was his main priority. Then at the end, he says something that is so chilling. You could see Mao or Stalin or Hitler screaming out these words to cheering throngs. He says, we are one world. We have one health. And we have one who 
Z-Dial, you know, he didn't say Z-Dial. So now the method they're looking forward to using, this is quite interesting to explore, is making treaties and accords with nations where who will be given money and invested with authority over the nation's health program. I can imagine Fauci pushing for that. I can oh, imagine yeah. NIH. I can imagine Joe Biden pushing for that. Sure. Now, the treaties, who defines their treaties and their accords as legally binding? I looked that up. International law generally recognizes treaties as legal and binding. Nowhere did I see caveats that um, legislatures have to approve treaties, like in the U.S., the Senate does, supposedly, but rarely does. Even these big accords, the Senate generally doesn't approve of, doesn't get involved in, done by the president, done by the secretary of state. And who specifically says that they will consider it binding if it has the signature of high-ranking officials, A, one, just one, like the secretary of state and anyone the secretary of state duly appoints. So in the Biden administration, a very natural one would be John Kerry, who is the czar for the health, not health, but for global warming right. and climate change, which gets you into all these issues. Kerry has been an America hater since he was a, barely out of his teens and came back from Vietnam and lied about our atrocities against the Vietnamese. Kerry would be a great one to appoint. Kerry and his family, like Joe Biden and his family, and with his sons working together, have made millions out of communist China. People don't know that, that there's a real deep connection between the Kerry and the Biden families. And they don't know that on a stage, Biden and all in the book, and Kerry have both announced that they are in favor of the Great Reset. And the Kerry has actually said the Great Reset began with our election. And that's just amazing stuff. Uh, so that's what we're facing right now. They already have the complete support, as best as I can tell, from the European Council, which is the head of the European Council, which is the governing legislative body, not legislative, executive body of the European Union. The European Union has profoundly deep ties. I'm gonna have a new report out on this in the next couple of days. It's gonna go up on um, America Out Loud's website. I have um, started blogging on America Out Loud. Ginger and I are gonna have a radio show on America Out Loud. Malcolm of America Out Loud talked my wife into something I couldn't do for 40 years, which is do a radio show with her husband. So that's going to be in April. And um, within a week, I'll have up probably on America Out Loud uh, this description of which you have a uh, kind of a draft, what, what these guys are planning. It's, it, this is the new way. They've been so empowered simply by dealing with our uh, uh, pandemic people that they now know, and, and of course they were completely supported by Collins, who was the head of NIH. Maybe right. he resigned, maybe in shame. I have no idea why he resigned, but, but he was a big supporter of this. So 
who would be better than a head of uh, NIH or Fauci or um, even better uh, John Kerry to do a one-man signing of a treaty, which as far as the world is concerned is legally binding, even though our U.S. Senate hasn't approved it. Well, let me throw something at you here. And this is kind of a subset of what you've been talking about. Ever since the vaccines have been developed, my interest has always been in injury compensation, you know, kind of like this. And I followed the stories and I was starting to write about it back in February of 2021, when Bill Gates and Gavi and WHO, they created this COVAX, what they call COVAX facility, which is an organization to help purchase and distribute vaccines around the world for COVID. And then poor people, they were going to do it for poor people. Right. They never do. They started out, they, they, they named the 92 <laughs> nations, what they call the 92 poor nations that WHO has always identified that we had no ability to purchase vaccines directly from the manufacturers. One thing there was is that, okay, they're going to distribute these out and give them to these countries. I started digging into this and I found out that there was going to be a lot of strings attached. And then when WHO and Gavi announced that they're going to create a compensation program, a world compensation program, and it'll start at the end of uh, March, March 31st of, of 2021, I really got digging into this and, and, and found out that these people, these uh, citizens of these countries were going to allow to seek compensation, not from their government, not directly from the manufacturers, but from this consortium of WHO and Gavi and, and everybody else. And the primary principle in this was Chubb Limited, which is a big, huge insurance. Oh my, I didn't know about this stuff. Thank you. Insurance company out of Switzerland with a big uh, presence in New York City, which has ties to Bill Gates and ties to a lot of the European Union, the bloc, European bloc countries. But here's the issue. These countries, these 92 countries and any other countries that wanted to sign on, if they wanted to get free COVID-19 vaccine from COVAX facility, They'd have to give up their sovereignty because what happens is these people would have to, uh, these nations would have to agree to allow for the uh, distribution of vaccines. Their, their citizens would not be able to sue their own governments for vaccine injury or the manufacturers. They would have to go to the COVAX facility and seek compensation. By the way, not one case has been compensated as of when it started March 31, 2021. But you have you all mean these- 20, You mean 2020? No, the compensation program started March 31 of 2021, because you had to wait for the vaccine. Oh, 2021, of course. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got confused. <clears throat> You're perfectly right. So no, Nothing has been compensated. But you had all these countries, and that's why you had, but there was some pushback by a few countries, and that's why you see Pfizer and whatever else threatening to take the, you know, state assets in Latin America and stuff like this. But to get free vaccines, and all the African countries said, yes, we're going to do it. 
except for South Africa, because they entered into their own purchase agreements. They've given up sovereignty. So now what you see is that you have a WHO apparatus, a creature, which is the COVAX, providing vaccines for COVID. Logically, the next step is, can they do it for other vaccines now? So now this is all part of the takeover of public health. I think that's just part of it, what you've been talking about. It's a subset of what you've been talking about. That is, these countries now have given up their own public health sovereignty of their citizens. And so now WHO and Gavi can control all the mass distribution of what they call healthcare, which is vaccines, of whether it's measles or whether it's flu shots, now COVID, and whatever else comes to the comes down the road. And you're right. You know, your book goes into all this detail about the takeover on a global level. And people don't understand this is that these countries, you being a citizen of a country doesn't matter anymore. It's you're being controlled by a higher element. And that is WHO, the CCP, and these uh, predators. So this is nuts. Um, Wayne, you're teaching me and the rest of the audience listening. Um, I have not gone deeply into that. Of course, I have awareness of it. And I do talk about Gavi in the book. But what you're saying so dovetails with this breaking news, uh, because this broke a while back. Have you written anything about this? Yes, I've written several articles. And it's actually, you- and it's also going to be part of my uh, new book. Uh, my book project, but I did have a couple videos out on YouTube and they were taken down within 24 to 48 hours, but I've written articles and they're up on my website, my book's website, thevaccinecourt.com. I'll be happy to send them to you. Send me the links and with credit to you, I think I will soon do a blog on this, do an essay on this on America Out Loud, because it is, you're right, it's uh, it's a bigger thing than you're even saying. What you're describing is such a huge piece. And they start by taking advantage of the poor nations. Mm-hmm. And they have a list of poor nations who are working with the UN and, move, and who and moving in this direction with the treaties to, to hand over their health departments, their health, which means handing over their sovereignty. And this is so good that you're doing this work. Neither one of us knew a lot about the other before today. So this is a great meeting. I really appreciate it. But please do send it to just uh, send it to my email. You have it and send it with a copy to Ginger and mark it requested or something like that. Sure. Let's bring it back to the United States a little bit here because I do have a couple questions. Oh, and I've got something really important about U.S. that I haven't told you yet. Go for it. Let's, let's go, go, for for it right, go for it right now. Okay. Uh, Some of this is in the book and some of this is breaking news. Mm -hmm. Many people know that President Trump ordered the huge reserves created of hydroxychloroquine. He did that partially because he had early conversations with my friend Zev Zelenko, MD, who's written an introduction to the book, our book, and who has um, so much um, early knowledge and, and was so key in getting the proper early and successful treatment for COVID developed. And um, the Trump ordered the organization, which is central in the uh, America, the agency that is central to 
all of the um, emergency measures, the uh, legislation for the emergency use authorizations, the EUAs. The um, EUA specifies, a lot of this detail people still aren't talking about, but it explains so much. The EUA is legislation empowering the federal government <clears throat> um, to create an agency to uh, rush through vaccines and medications and other treatments and to finance them, to buy up huge batches in advance, which is a form of giving money away, taxpayer money, to pay all of their uh, expenses, direct and indirect, just like Bill Gates specified when he created CEPI and discussed it uh, with who, all the stuff we have documented. The head of the organization that was in charge of this at the time was a guy named Richard uh, Rick, Rick Bright. And the organization is BARDA, B-A-R-D-A, Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority. Right. Rick Bright, Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority. But most of your people be the first time they heard, they heard of BARDA. So, the head of BARDA, working with the head of the FDA, named Janet at the time, I think, I forget her last name, but BARDA was the key because they have the power, they're empowered by Congress to do this. BARDA was faced with this very serious problem, which is that under the legislation for the EUA, if there is any safe and effective treatment of any kind, that's been approved for anything by the FDA, because the FDA approval involves the safety studies. They're gonna be very similar for any disease, few exceptions, but basically, if you've got a drug that's been approved for one thing, in this case, malaria and a couple of other things, and doctors are finding that it works for viruses, which they found with uh, both uh, hydroxychloroquine and then uh, later on as well, with um, Invermectin. You know, with, with ivermectin. So you have this situation that if in fact Trump could release this saying it's safe and effective, the entire EUA crashes. Sure. When it, because literally it specifies in the legislation that if you have a safe and effective treatment available, doctors are using it, it's been approved by the FDA for use, then crashes. There is no emergency measures. And that would have destroyed everything they're doing worldwide because Europe and the other nations just picked up, even if they didn't have EUAs, they picked up our EUAs and enforced them without legislation. So we were the whole model for this. So everywhere in the world, millions are dying, not only from COVID, because a lot of these people who call COVID are dying of some other virus or right. pneumonia on top of a virus. I had never said this before, but by depriving COVID people, you're depriving many, many misdiagnosed people of ivermectin and of, of uh, hydroxychloroquine. So Rick Bright did this. So we decided to look further into Rick Bright. Now, Trump didn't act on him quickly at all. And then he finally re removed him from his post, couldn't fire him career deep state bureaucrat. Um, but then he quit and he went to, Rick Bright quit and he went to work for 
for the Rocket Foundation to do their vaccine program. In his bio, he brags that he helped develop CEPI in 2015 and 16 while working in other federal agencies, including defense, before he came to BARDA. So they got appointed just before Trump came in, 2017. They got Obama to appoint Rick Bright to be the head of the organization that could stop all of President Trump's attempts to manage things in the coming emergency. Now, how sure were they that there was a coming emergency? People have heard an awful lot about event 201 and other things where planning was done ahead of time. What people don't know, by the way, is COVAX is a name created by Johns Hopkins in 2017 when they were predicting the outbreak of a SARS coronavirus in a pamphlet, not a pamphlet, a like a monograph that was read all over the country by people who cared. So this is how it's all so tight, mm-hmm. all so planned. It's so bizarre to see that, the, that, they, that they, they, take, they take the fictional thing. Maybe it wasn't fictional. Maybe, maybe it already, they knew that it was already going to be called COVID. Who knows? Who knows now? So just before Trump's inauguration, 10 days before his inauguration, George Washington University holds a national convention on globalism and the coming pandemic. In it, Fauci announces three or four times in his speech, this is 10 days before Trump comes in, with certainty, using that word at one point, and again and again saying, It's a surprise for the Trump's administration. He's going to have a devastating pandemic. Now, how do you tell somebody they've got a surprise coming if you are not in on the surprise? And he says it four or five times. And it's echoed in a workshop by one of the top people at Harvard Public Health, Mm -hmm. a guy named Ja. J.A. And there were no Trump people that that I could tell at this conference at all. Nobody from the new administration. So here he is. Now, people say, well, why would they announce it? Why would they give themselves Mm -hmm. away? First of all, because there's never been any retribution for any of these crimes, kind of crimes, except for the Nuremberg trials. Far as I know, never been any serious retribution. Some in the Japan with the Japanese too for some of their actual use of uh, of biological warfare against Chinese people. Um, but it's been rare. And also, they have to get everybody ginned up for the big event. This is a celebratory big event. And they're serious about it. And they want everybody to know. And if you look at Fauci or Ja when they're talking about it, they're not saying we had covering their faces and saying we have this terrible news for Trump. They're celebrating it because they are going to be the leaders in the pandemic. 
They want to be joined and they want industry involved in the pharmaceutical industry. And um, at some point, somebody says to me, it's, do you think the pharmaceutical industry is going to be happy with you kind of planning all this stuff or something like that? And he says, oh, yeah, we're friends with the pharmaceutical industry. It's all in the book. Rick Bright, and you've got to chew on this, as a powerful bureaucrat who used to work in the pharmaceutical mm -hmm. industry, has worked with the Defense Department and other agencies in the government, career bureaucrat, is installed to head BARDA right. just before Trump comes in and then will cancel Trump's program for the release of all hydroxychloroquine. 60 million doses to the US, which would have started a wave throughout the world of a drug that's so cheap, you can buy it for probably as less than a pack of chewing gum over the counter in many nations around the world. Certainly for less than a cup of coffee. And tying this in a knot like this has been amazing, but, but, the most chilling part I only just figured out, and I don't know about this whole thing with, with CEPI and our main organization behind the epidemic control. And that is that they weren't happy just having help from Fauci being on their committees and stuff, mm -hmm. having Rick Bright on, named on the CEPI committees, it's in the book. They weren't happy with that. They wanted even more control. Well, there was a guy who retired and then Rick Bright took over. So for five years before Rick Bright, there's a guy, his name is Richard Hatchett, with two T's, I believe. He's head of BARDA for five years before um, just Bright. This, Rick Bright takes over. Mm -hmm. And guess what they make Richard Hatchett? They make him the permanent life CEO of CEPI. It's like chilling. Though, talk about conspiracy. Are you joking? This is management of the world's health agencies by a consortium of some of the most evil people, bloated with wealth and power, wanting more wealth and power. They tied down and owned BARDA. Mm -hmm. Now, when I heard that this guy with us, this name Rick Bright, and was a bureaucrat and he was in front of Congress and he was saying, no, I had to do this on a scientific basis. You know, Trump was wrong. I was right. I'm the scientist. Or maybe it's so funny. These people, they're, they're science and, and uh, Bright's not even a, a physician. I'm pretty sure he's not a physician. I haven't thought about that much. So they had, Bright was part of this huge conspiracy. He's hiding from the Congress working so much that he's proud enough to put it in his bio at Rockefeller. Pride in having helped formulate all of CEPI. I don't think he did actually. These guys, they don't have that kind of brains and, you know, they're not world leaders of bilking the world. You know, he was doing bidding. Fauci's doing bidding. Yeah, if Fauci just, reverses himself, somebody's told him to. Yeah. Well, a lot of people think that Fauci controls everything, but he doesn't. You know, no. And no, not at all. Not at all. It's just, a matter, matter of fact, we talked about 
you know, RFK Jr.'s book, by Anthony Fauci. And I had the privilege of working on part of that project, doing some oh, research. Oh, that's great. And, and He's fact, a good man. And yeah. um, it's just amazing. You know, the part that I worked on was Fauci with HIV a little bit. Yeah. Um, was how corrupt this guy is. Yeah. Um, in regards to control. He's a mass murderer. Yeah. He controls the budgets and, and the money that a lot of these our research universities receive and his he controls all that and it's just it's it's insane and but you've my first, wife just unearthed uh-huh. a meeting involving these top people Fauci and all that led to the science journals coming out with the statement that this thing came from nature and then apparently the scientists that were involved few of them got $50 million of uh, research money from him. We haven't really done much with that yet. I got to re- get, get to work on that. Okay. Well, in the book, which is called COVID-19 and the Global Predators, you divide it up into four sections. It's a very good read. People are going to have to take your time to read it because you provide so much information to absorb it. First few chapters about Fauci, then, then you get into the end of the science. And then you get into predator globus. And then the last few chapters, you talk about recovering our liberty. And you know, last well, the last chapter, 36, I believe, is action steps to save freedom. People don't understand what's actually being taken away from them until mm-hmm. you've got to either gonna witness it or you're gonna read it and you're gonna say, Holy crap, what happened here? By that time, it might be too late. So you got to get this book, people, and read this thing um, extensively. It is one of the foundational books, I'm going to call it right now, is of what's happening. COVID is just one part of it. It's been ongoing for 20 years. So what do you think? Let's, let's kind of wrap this up. We got COVID winding down here in the United States, I think. We're the world globalists to keep going and survive they have to keep stoking fear amongst the people what do you think comes next are we going to have another round of a, another covid related virus are we going to have something different because people have figured out a lot of people have figured out the shenanigans of what's happened here but what do you think is going to come next because of what you've uh, educated me about during this show I'm even more concerned that it's going to be a good chunk of it's going to be covert. And that that was a kind of a new idea to me when I found out what they were doing with the World Health Organization, mm-hmm. this breaking news from January 24th, that they want the World Health Organization to step into owning global health, not global preparedness for pandemics. And now what you've elaborated on, which I had only vague uh, things about, maybe I mentioned a little bit, you know, Gavi in the book, but now what you're describing with Gavi taking advantage of the poor nations and making agreements with them and treaties with them that are going to suck their power in return for vaccines, which will reduce their population and make people sick, kill people. Mm -hmm. I'm even more concerned, and that's why I want you to send me your material, and I want to I want to be able to present it, crediting you for this. It's looking like they've realized that they're stimulating a backlash 
and that they are going to more and more use CEPI and Gavi, folks, two, very, two separate organizations, but there's nothing very separate anywhere in any of this. These people are all working with who, who ties them all together, the UN ties them all together. Bill Gates has investments in Gavi, investments in CEPI. It's all one big, mm. awful, disgusting monster that's, uh, that they've created. It just goes on and on and on. So I think that we have to start really fighting these, this program that you have been telling people about from Gavi, which is an old organization. It was, it was created longer for CEPI and, uh, and CEPI and what it's doing with the World Health Organization. And um, that's number one. Number two, as to the threats, I think it's unpredictable. There are unconfirmed reports, and I mean unconfirmed. I've heard them from very trustworthy people, but I believe that is speculation at this point, that China has re already released a virus at the games. The Americans, well, everyone is very isolated from China. Clearly the Chinese and the Americans have more dangerous, deadly viruses in their package than SARS-CoV-2, much more so. One of them is a SARS-CoV virus that we found discussed in the Chinese paper funded by Fauci and but some of the Fauci connections on it. And it they they have one where they've taken mice and they, you know, put they put genetic human epithelium in their lungs. They do this to the mice. And they also has human epithelium that they put in petri dishes and it's causing encephalitis and killing mice with encephalitis. This would be a whole new horror level. I mean, people can get encephalitis related to the coronaviruses, they get neurological diseases, but, but this specifically was killing people. So that they've got endless things. And, um, and of course they've got uh, all the hemorrhagic diseases are now genetically manufactured in labs. So it's kind of endless in what directions they might go. They are trying, you know, Bill Gates' newest book is about global warming. So he was clearly beginning to move away from this. I think of Bill Gates, I think of a 10-year-old in short pants who has the power of a, you know, a Hitler or a Mao stirring inside him, this kid in short pants. And one of the things he did in Norway, and then they stopped him, he was firing rockets into the sky in preparation for seeding the sky with materials similar in effect to the giant volcanoes to blot out the sun. I mean, talk about megalomania. So where will he go? I don't know where these crazy people are going to go. All of these people believe human beings need to be changed by them scientifically. Right. They want to genetically change us. Many of them look at including the, the president of Moderna, that, that what they've done with the vaccine is to start to re-engineer human DNA and RNA. The story isn't in yet as to how much the changes they're making. Once you've changed the human RNA, you don't guarantee it's not going to buy back up. There are transference uh, enzymes that, that, uh, that occur in SARS-CoV-2 where where the SARS attacks the, uh, the RNA, just like these, these, what they're doing to us inside our bodies with the engineering and the vaccine, they attack our RNA, they get them to do things uh, to the body. And 
there's evidence that there are enzymes that then permit that process to go back to the main DNA locked in, in the cells. I mean, this is a wild west of genetic engineering, I think, and I've been talking about it, that they're turning us into GMO human beings. Rise up, guys, and join us, for God's sakes. You have been so hoodwinked. You have no idea what's been done to you. Here in two weeks, I've got a, another gentleman coming on the program. His name is Dr. Mark McDonald, who wrote a book called The United States of Fear, talking about the mass psychosis, the steps of mass psychosis, how we get programmed into following, you know, the yeah. these global leaders. So it's going to be interesting there too. So, but okay. Well, you, you, can I take a minute? Yes, go for it. Once you start using psychiatric terminology, you get into a medical model, it's false. In addition, once you start talking about psychosis, you act like there's a disease spreading among people, when in fact, what we are witnessing in people, if you want to use a metaphor, is a lot more like the results of extreme child abuse. It's the results of uh, our uh, Stockholm syndrome, right. where people who were, uh, I think in Sweden, they were held captive inside of a bank. And to everybody's amazement, when they came out, they were praising their captors because there is a tendency in children and oppressed human beings to identify with the oppressor. People wept in Russia at the death of Stalin. People wept in China at the death of Mao. People have in their nature, and we talked about this in the beginning of the show to some extent, people by their nature can revert back to childhood helplessness. I've written about this in scientific journals. Mm -hmm. We easily become reinduced into feeling as helpless as children who can't get fed coddled or had their thorns removed. And we scream and we seek help. And we are so grateful for the help. We become what our parents are trying to raise us up to be. Quite standardly, we learn to speak English. We become Jewish. We become Catholic. We worship Stalin. We believe in democracy. We are raised up out of helplessness to believe in the system around us. I think it's great that these people are emphasizing how crushed we are. But it is far better to say we are crushed just like a feudal serf or a victim of Stalin or a victim of Mao than to say we have a mass psychosis. We are being human beings. We're not sick. We are being put in the oppressed state that was normal for human beings for millennia. It is not a mass psychosis. It is human beings returning to the state of oppression that we've been in for the past... Mm, probably five to 10,000 years only. Before then, before then, we were nomads. The women gathered, the men hunted. They took care of themselves in groups that could be from a single couple to more effectively the big extended families going up to usually no more than 35 people. If some bully wanted to take over, you, uh, you had the weapons, you made your own weapons, they couldn't confiscate, you made your own clothing, you got your own food, you could leave the bully all by himself to scream in the distance, or you could kill him. So we didn't have to deal so much. We were afraid of, of other tribes, but we could, not tribes, other extended families, tribes not, not yet at that point. 
And then we moved on to, you know, these tribal states, to regular states, to, 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 and as soon as we start having cities and things like that, even big villages, we have leaders, and then we become dependent, we're growing on fields, we can't leave, we got all this cattle, and, and we got, thank God, dogs uh, to help educate us about love. And we have lived in a state of subjugation. So it's not a mass psychosis, it's human beings being in the state that they were always in once they lost track of their supportive families, where the only leaders were elders or maybe an occasional great hunter or something, and they did not live in a state of fear of authority. You know what, that might explain why we see so many out on social media, we see so many young mothers with their little kids, and they're saying, oh, I can't wait to get the chance to get my son vaccinated. Of course. And you're going, oh, what the hell's all that about? But anyway, but okay, well, let's, we're going to have to leave it there. We've, Thank uh, you for this tremendous opportunity. And I want to work personally with you around sure. that work that you're doing and, and help get that out about what Gavi's doing in the uh, African nations. Okay. All right, uh, listeners, thank you. You've been listening to the Right on Point podcast. It's a candid discussion of your civil liberties, issues, and your legal rights with our federal government. We discuss what no one else will by digging deep into the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, the PREP Act, the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, and the legalities or illegal activities of the COVID pandemic. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions of its listeners. Please consider a donation to ensure future discussions and interviews. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Peter Bregan, and thank the many listeners of this program. And I always leave you each week with the following. Keep learning, keep challenging, and always, always question authority. Have a good day, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and thank you for listening. 